So in so many ways, I, I think that this topic, this content, uh, these three Sunday school classes really are kind of the heart and soul of what our church is about, uh, what we're about, what we do, what we practice, etc. This has been a theme of church history for all time. Since God initiated with Abraham, uh, we've been all about the faith going from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. For some of y'all who were around uh, 10 or 15 years ago, John Sartell, our then senior pastor, he used to pray the same prayer almost every week at church, and it was something along the lines of, God, we pray that you would raise up a generation out of this church that Lexington has never seen before. Uh, anybody remember that prayer, hearing John pray that? It still is the appropriate prayer. Every generation should be praying a similar thing. Uh, so that really is my heart. My job today is to offer some supplemental content of what's already been shared. Uh, Robert asked me to share just some ideas, thoughts, etc., from what I've experienced as a dad, what I've experienced as a pastor, what I've seen, mistakes to avoid, that sort of thing. Will shared a scripture two weeks ago, Psalm 73, and then last week Robert gave some theological principles of how church is so important in this matter. Side note, I almost wore a UK shirt today uh, to teach this class. I thought that would have been appropriate of me being the wolf in sheep clothing, uh, but I'm not going to do that. So the context this morning is how do you pass the faith along? What are some practical measures that you do? And I'm going to share some applications of things that I've learned, I've seen, I've experienced, uh, and pretty much this is going to be very application-oriented. Some of these things are, which that are things that I wish I could go back and redo uh, and lessons that I've picked up along the way. I'm going to share quite a bit of personal examples. Uh, I was joking with Anita Haddock about this earlier. Uh, as you know, that does not mean Mark and Lisa Randall have this figured out. I told Anita, please don't say amen when I make that comment. But for all Trinity teachers and administrators, uh, they know that Mark and Lisa Randall do not have this figured out, but we have seen the Lord's grace along the way. Uh, our youngest son, Keaton, turned 18 last month, so we now have a 25-year-old, a 20-year-old, and an 18-year-old, which means we don't have kids. We have adults who are related to us. We have descendants, but we don't have children. And there's something really freeing about that, to be honest. Uh, but all of these things, these principles, I've, I've honestly, I've learned along the way, primarily of being part of the body of Christ and just seeing how, how the faith gets passed down. So there are two key words that I hope uh, you will hear me repeat throughout this morning, and that is enjoyment and conversation. And I think those are big picture of, of so much about what the faith looks like going from one generation to the next. It is so much about our enjoyment of our walk with the Lord, our enjoyment of the gospel, our enjoyment with Christ, just as the Shorter Catechism says, we're to enjoy the Lord. And then practically, that comes in the form often of a lot of conversations along the way. From Deuteronomy 6, of just as you walk along the road, as you talk about the Lord, those are the big picture things that I, I want to emphasize. Uh, I'm primarily speaking to parents this morning, but you're going to see if you're inside the church, you're part of this covenantal family, and that is you're part of a covenantal parenting structure, and you're going to see your place in this as well. So here are 10 things I've got. And I've wrestled with, uh, is this too many or is this not enough? And I was burdened this morning of all the things I left out. I didn't even include repentance on here. So th these are just things that as I prayed and thought about it this past week of, thought, uh, of stuff that, that I've seen. And a lot of this will make sense, and I, I hope this will be helpful to you. But let me just 
I'm going to mention these 10 and share some stories and applications along the way. First thing, how to pass uh, the faith along. Number one, uh, start with the end in mind and work backwards. This is a common business principle. Maybe you don't think about this often in faith, but everyone gets this concept, and I think it's helpful. I learned this years ago from a family in our church, Warren and Trisha Dyke. If you were here uh, years ago, they taught this at a parenting group when I was in Belarus with them. We were on a mission trip, and the Dykes' responsibility on that trip was to teach a parenting class, and they shared this. Andy Waters and I were with them, and we both were blown away with what we heard them say. They shared the idea that if you think in terms of the future, a generation from now, what do you hope will be true of your children? And what you hope will be true of your children is that they will enjoy living by faith in Christ. When they are adults, that's what you hope and pray for. So what you do now is have a big picture mindset of what are the things that I build into their life, into their stories now to move them in that direction. The goal are adults who enjoy walking by faith. It doesn't matter if you're in a broken home. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy. It doesn't matter if you're poor. Your hope is that your children will someday enjoy living by faith. So you contextualize that to your family. You make an acronym if that is helpful. Uh, you give them a chance to grow along the way. Proverbs 22, you know this passage well, it's train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. If you focus on the long term of growth, you can have a lot of patience today. The goal is not to have perfect children as little angels when they're small. That, that's not the goal. The goal is for when they are adults, when they're 30 and beyond, that they are mature and that they desire to live by faith. So how do you form your prayers? You form your prayers based on where you want them to grow and to go. The goal is first and foremost that they would desire to live by faith as adults. Uh, if they're angels at age 13, watch out when they turn 30. Because there's a good chance their behavior is being based on something other than enjoyment at their young age. If you think you have done everything perfectly because you have perfectly well-behaved children now, hold on tight. Your hope is when they are mature, they will desire to walk with the Lord. All right, second principle I learned. Uh, I heard this at a place called the J.H. Ranch. It's a uh, long story, I can tell you about that. And that is the definition of biblical parenting versus American parenting. American parenting says this. American definition of parenting is to protect and to provide for your children. The biblical definition of parenting is to train and instruct your children. Do you see the difference? One is to protect and provide. That is based on money. That's based on provision. That's based on keeping evil away. Of course, that's important. Of course, that's good. I would say that's really assumed. But to train and to instruct takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of conversations. I've heard dad say something like this over the years. Father's here at church. I gave that kid all he ever wanted, and now look how he treats me. And I think something along the lines of, you did not give him what he wanted at all. You gave him what you wanted him to have. 
What a child wants is to learn and grow and be developed, whether he or she realizes that or not. Training and instruction is hard work. Of course you are to protect your children. Of course you are to provide for them. That's what decent human beings do. (laughs) Don't pat yourself on the back too much for that one. However, it is important and it's not easy. It requires jobs, paying bills, mortgages, etc. You got to do all that. But to train and instruct, it takes so much patience. It requires conversation after conversation after conversation. Uh, Barnabas Piper, John Piper's son, wrote a book a number of years ago called uh, something about being a pastor's kid. And he wrote this in conjunction with John Piper, so it wasn't like he was just trashing his dad. But he said that he wished that his dad had taught him more things about life along the way. He had his theology down. He could quote C.S. Lewis, that sort of stuff. He said, I wish my dad had taught me how to play golf. I wish my dad had just done some fun stuff with me along the way. Now, John Piper has worked backwards, and he's done a lot of good stuff with his son. They wrote a book together, but yet I found that to be so so simple. Training and instruction, we can all do. You just have have to have a desire to do it. Uh, It's a way of life. Training and instruction, it's not a curriculum, it's not a course, it's slow, but your goal is to produce healthy adults. It's what you do. You talk about the Lord, you pass it along the way, what he is teaching you. Uh, Last summer, our next door neighbors were moving, and they uh, had a wagon, and uh, they were taking it from one place to another place. They filled everything up on the wagon, and there's not a whole lot of outdoor type stuff that I know how to do. But I did grow up around riding mowers and that kind of stuff. So when we loaded this wagon, we took it to the other house. I grabbed Keaton to go with me uh, just because we were going to be carrying some stuff, and I needed his help. Uh, This guy needed his help. When it came time to back the wagon in, my neighbor didn't know how to do it. And it is. I've never backed a boat into the water, but I get the principle. It's the same kind of thing. If you know what I'm talking about, there are some tricks. How you back a wagon in is opposite of what you think it's going to be. And my neighbor couldn't figure it out. And I just said, oh, I could do it. It's no problem. I grew up in a small town. Like, you, we just had wagons around. And I just said, you just got to turn the wheel the other way. My son thought I was the smartest person ever. And he was like, you actually know something. And it did not strike me as anything odd until he paid it, and he kept talking about, how did you learn how to back a wagon? I'm like, who doesn't know how to back a wagon? But it, it reveals the point. Our kids want to learn from us. That's what their hearts are hungry for. But you've got to take them with you to move a neighbor. You've got to do stuff with them. You've got to spend time. It's a whole lot easier just to pay some money if you've got it and send them away and protect and provide. All right, that's the biblical definition. Train them, instruct them. It's slow. It's over time. It's a lot of conversations. Third observation, and that is to pray Scripture into their lives. Uh, This is huge. This comes as a surprise to absolutely no one. I'm going to share with you the scripture that I've been praying for each of our three kids for years. But my encouragement to you is is to find a scripture that the Lord has put on your heart. Uh, But this is what I pray for our kids. This is Isaiah 44, verses 1 through 4. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Note this, 
I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up from among the grass like willows by flowing streams. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. That's, that's what I desire. That's what Lisa desires. That, that's what our hope is, is that our children, when we're long gone, will have the spirit of God alive inside of them. So God has promised in his word that he will do that. So I pray regularly this passage for each of our three adults that God would do this, that he would be faithful to do this, that his blessing would be upon them. What I desire, what I hope, what I'm asking of the Lord would be that the Spirit would be inside of them. Here's the deal. I don't know their futures, nor do they. But the Lord does, and the Lord is the one who is faithful. So my challenge for you is to ask the Lord to show you a passage. Maybe it's a new passage every year, and you pray that into their life. Here's what happens when you pray scripture for your children. It will prevent you from becoming selfish. If you don't include the Bible, I will make a list of things that I want to be true of them. Who they will marry, what they will do, what they will enjoy, versus what the Lord will do in their life. Uh, I, I I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about the Lord and what he will do. So I remind you, you don't know their future and neither do they. So pray scripture into their lives. I've prayed this for each of ours, and I'm going to continue to. All right, number four, and this one's huge, and this involves all of you in the entire church. And this is simply this, to diligently ask the Lord to put adults into your children's life other than you as parents. Not in place of you as parents, but in addition to you as parents. I think this is the covenantal way. When we see this in scripture, there's other people involved in the lives of God's children. We did a youth director search years ago when we, when we hired Mac, but we interviewed a few other people. And one of the guys that we talked to shared this as a statistic. He said that most people who continue in the faith have at least five other adults who significantly knew or invested in those people. Now, I don't know if there's a magical number about five, but it's more than one. And it means that there are other people involved in their lives than simply just parents. Now, for each of my children, I, I can say the Lord's been faithful in so many ways with this. Uh, our oldest, Macy, is 25 years old. There would be no Macy Randall without Becky Staten. You know who Becky Staten is? Becky Willard. <laughs> But when Macy was in middle school, Becky was the, the youth director's assistant. She was just there. She was around. She helped. She was doing stuff all the time with her. Uh, she would get Macy to play the middle school games when Macy refused to do it. Or at least if Macy refused to do it, Becky would sit with her and talk with her. Uh, there, I'm just going to list other names just because it's true. Jess Gates. You know who Jess Gates is? Jessica Holt, the same thing. They would go to Mexico together, and they were friends. They just talked about life. Patsy Wooten, Caroline White, Emily DeLong, Robert and Abby Cunningham, Bobby Beatty, and the list goes on and on and on. I didn't sign any of these people up. There was no class. There was no curriculum. They were just available. In some unique way, they imparted their life into my daughter, Macy. 
Sarah, who's 20, last week at the RUF Summer Conference. I got pictures of Ann Taff spending time talking to Sarah on the beach. I don't know what they were talking about. I don't care what they were talking about. It, it, Sarah doesn't care what they were talking about. It's just that there was adults involved in their life talking about the Lord and the presence of the Lord in such a way that's the covenantal way. Because what happens is you take your family, what we want, what we desire, what we love, and the rest of the covenantal community gives legitimacy to that. And they see other people who also follow Jesus, who also love them. My, one of my favorite things that we've done in our church over the years is our uh, choke and peach trip to Mexico. Many of you all have not been there. Some of you have. But when I think back on those trips, what was so great about it is we would always have five or ten youth and probably that many or more adults. So what you would have is these kids doing work beside Tommy Ogden, <laughs> which I mean, makes me laugh even thinking about it. However, you had Eddie Tannis, you had Sandy Cephaleta, and the list would go on and on and on where you would spend time, you would spend meals together, and it was just a picture of covenantal community. I can't tell you how powerful that is. So I hope you see, if you have children, this is how you need to think about them. But if you're an adult, this is who you need to be. Keaton, our 18-year-old, he views Christian faith through the lens of David Tannis. Can I say that again for my anxiety purposes? He views our faith through the lens of David Tannis. Do you know David Tannis? David grew up in our church. He was a Sunday school teacher. He brought donuts to Sunday school. Keaton thought it was the greatest thing ever. He still, he is a disciple of David Tannis. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Last fall, Stephen Leinert showed up at our house. Keaton taught Stephen how to shoot a, a bow and arrow. That's what he wanted to see how to do it. Keaton's an archer and all that. Stephen taught Keaton how to smoke a fine cigar. I looked outside, saw what was going on, thought, well, the Lord has answered my prayer. Here they are. Knowing that Keaton will probably never listen to this, I'm happy to say that night Keaton was sicker than he had ever been in his entire life. Lisa's like, do we need to take him to the hospital? I'm like, nope, this is right where he needs to be. <laughs> to my knowledge, he has come nowhere close to a fine cigar since that night. However, the laughter that they had, the enjoyment that they had, the friendship they had, it's the covenantal way. Stephen Leinert showing up at our house, hanging out with a 17-year-old son is more than I could ever pray or hope for. So for all of us, look around. This is who we are to be to the children of our church. When they're little kids, when they're in high school, when they're middle school, when they go to college, we get to be part of that community. If you're parents, pray that the Lord will put godly adults into your children's life. Uh, all right, number five. Take them with you to do the things that you enjoy. All right, the emphasis here is going to be on what you enjoy. Robert mentioned this principle last week with EJ Sports. But I want to emphasize, God gave these children to you. You are made in God's image. You are unique. You are special. You have things in your heart that you love. Take your children with you to do those things. Whatever it is that the Lord has given you to love and do, introduce your children to the same thing. Uh, I come alive in Mexico. I love Choco Beach. I love that trip. It's not coincidental. All of my kids have gone with me multiple times. I love going to Mount Lacant in Gatlinburg and hiking. It's not coincidental. All of my kids have done that. They don't all love that the way I do, but it creates conversation along the way. Uh, for Lisa, we 
joked about this. I don't know if she's still in here. Don't ask Lisa to ever go on another hike. When she turned 50, that was one of the things she said, I'm done. I've done it for years. I've hated it every time. I'm not doing it again. However, Lisa loves to cook. It's her deal. You put her in a kitchen for two or three hours, give her a glass of red wine and a bunch of unprepared food, and she will be happy for hours and hours and hours. Every single one of our children has done that with her, and they continue to do that with her, even Keaton. And they talk, and they enjoy. They can talk about the Lord. They can talk about life. They talk about anything. But what they notice is their mother is doing what she loves to do. There's conversation along the way. So here's the deal. Conversation flows when you're doing what you love to do. So what do you enjoy doing? What is it that God has put on your heart that you like, that you enjoy? Then do it and bring your children into that world. But get this. You don't have to do what everyone else describes as fun to do. You're free to be you. Whatever it is that's on your heart, that's what you impart to your children. You're free to be that. If you don't want to hike, don't hike. But do whatever it is that you like to do. Nate Jones takes trips. He loves playing trips, talking about trips, going on trips, and then talking about where he went on the trip. Guess what he's done with all of his boys? They go everywhere. Here's a secret fact if you have teenagers right now. I have seen this to be true, and I know this is true. If you have teenagers, this is a fact. They may say that they don't want to spend time with you. They are lying. They do want to spend time with you. You might have to work a little bit harder. You might have to encourage them. You might have to push them in the car, so to speak. But once you get them out and doing something that you like to do, they want to spend time with you. They do. Don't give in too easily when they ignore you. No, you keep initiating, keep initiating in love. They want to spend time with you. On Saturdays in the winter, uh, Keaton and I go to Butch's Grill on Southland Drive and eat a hamburger. Anybody been there? It's the cheapest <laughs> diner you've ever been to, and it fits us perfectly. It's great burgers, but it gets us out, gets, and we start talking. It works. Uh, secret fact number two, also about boys and teenagers. I just learned this the other day. Zach Monroe, Zach Monroe told me this. He said that men's brains function better when we're moving. That doesn't come as a surprise. I've just never heard it this way. He does his counseling ministry. He's often on a walk when he's talking to people. So what happens well when you're spending time with your boys is that if you are on a walk, a hike, golf, something like that, they're going to talk more. But if you're just sitting around the house doing nothing, there's a good chance it's going to be hard for them to engage. Have fun with your kids. Delight in them. Conversations are better when you're out doing something. Uh, I've noticed this with Keaton. He could work 10-hour shifts at the car wash and come home with all the energy in the world. He could go to school for two hours and have to come home and take a nap. There's something about being active that helps. Your goal is conversation with your children. Get them out, do something. All right, number six, other side of the same coin. Help them realize what they love. You see, they also are made in God's image and are unique, and God will provide enjoyment to them at their hearts in unique ways. Parents and mentors, that's your job. Help them to discover what God has written on their hearts and minds. Help them to see that. The purpose, ultimately, of education, I believe, is to train your children in what they love. 
What you hope is that the teachers that they have in their life will do that. Whatever is in their heart that God has put there that is good is to build that and celebrate that and enjoy that with them. It's to, it's to be discovered over time. So as you provide training and instruction, help them to see what they love. Uh, an example I thought of, is, this would have been, gosh, 20 years ago probably, but there's a great tennis player named Andre Agassi. You remember him from the 90s? Uh, at age 30, I mean, he started playing tennis as soon as he could stand up. At age 30, he said he hated tennis and he had hated it for his whole life. He was one of the best tennis players in the world and he hated playing the game. Why did he play it? Because his dad made him play. It was never about Andre. It was always about the dad's selfish desire to have his needs met by the work of his son. He didn't train Andre Agassi to fall in love with what the Lord had done. He trained him to love what he loved. And he did great damage. He produced a heck of a tennis player. He damaged the soul of a man. Your job as a parent is help them to see what it is that they love. I don't love chess. I don't get it. There are too many things going on at one time. I'm a checkers guy. Keaton can play chess for hours and hours and hours. My job is to encourage that. My job is to find other people who want to play chess. My job will buy chess boards to pay for his online deal where he plays chess. I, that's not my deal. It's okay. It's his deal, and he's free to do it. Keaton cannot sit down and watch an entire football game with me. He thinks it's boring. It's my deal. I've loved it. I've loved it my whole life. He's like, if we're not actually playing, why would we just watch somebody else play? And I can't explain it to him why it's so great. But he's free not to love it. But yet my job is to help him find that which he loves. He loves to work out. My job is to encourage it, to buy the protein, to do it with him, to pay for the gym membership, whatever the case may be. Help him discover what he loves and do that. Sarah has unique gifts and calling uh, to help and serve other people. In uh, Nicaragua and Mexico, she could do things that were really, really unique. Macy and Keaton, they don't have any of those gifts. <laughs> they were terrible missionaries. Sarah was great, but it's like they're not going to be the same. They don't have to be the same. They're free to get to do whatever. Maturity in Christ is going to look different for every single person. Help them to discover what it is that God has done in their life. Okay, number seven. I'll speed up here. They need to experience their own answered prayers. Um, they need to know that God can answer their prayers beyond what parents can provide. If you provide every single thing for them, they're not going to know that there's a God in heaven who can do supernatural things. So pray with them along the way and ask the Lord to show them things that only he could do. Let them trust the Lord and then talk about the results that the Lord brings about. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a class, maybe it's a relationship with a coach, maybe it's a friendship. Who knows what it could be. But if you're in conversation along the way, talk about this is how the Lord worked that out. This is how the Lord said no. This is how the Lord provided. But let them see, honestly, a charismatic uh, person who told me this said, let them see their own miracles. Let them see what the Lord has done. In a sense, it's a strange way of saying it. But let them know that Christianity, it, it works. It's true. When we talk to the Lord and ask the Lord, he really does answer. Bring them into those conversations of what you're trusting the Lord and talk about it. Um, all right, number eight, transition from coach to consultant. In your relationship with your kids, you are to launch them into adulthood. Sometime around their 18th birthday, senior in high school, something like that, a big transition needs to take place. 
A coach is someone who is giving or shouting or providing instructions along the way. A consultant is someone who responds when there's a question. That's a big difference. A coach is, it has somebody under their authority. A consultant is a friend who's available to help when needed. If you're going to treat your 20-year-old the same way you're treating your 14-year-old, the 20-year-old is not going to go along with that for long. Uh, you want them to become adults. Uh, we can talk about this over coffee sometime, but I, I don't have the live 360 app on my adult children. I don't know where they are. I don't care where they are. We, ha we secretly think Keaton probably has a device where he follows us around, but I, like, we raise them to make decisions. We raise them to go. If they make poor decisions, if they get in trouble, they're adults. They've got to deal with that. But if I'm sitting around as an adult following my adult children, there's something wrong with me. Like, no, I'm for, I raise them to be adults. I, I don't need to know where they are all the time. Sarah's 20 years old. I, if I'm at home tracking her, I, I got problems. All right. Parents' emotional health is to be based on what the Lord says is true of them, not on their ongoing relationship with adult children. I've seen adult children uh, become so hardened with their parents because their parents need them so much. We as parents, we need the Lord. We need the church. We need his people. We don't need our children to be addicted to us. We need to launch them, be a consultant for them. Number nine, simply don't take away their trials. For all of us adults, we would probably say that we matured the most when we went through hard times. And that's true. That's right out of the book of James. That's the way life is designed. But what do we do as parents? We try to take away all their problems. Not a good idea. We walk with their problems with them. If your child gets a C in class, that is not persecution. Don't call the teacher. If they don't get enough playing time, that does not mean the coach is practicing injustice. If they don't get invited to a birthday party, it happens. What you do along the way is you don't fix it. You let the Lord form their hearts, and you let him uh, grow them and trust them. We're creating little monsters. If they don't get what they want, then we as parents solve all their problems. We've got to let life happen with them, especially as they get older. Um, We'll say this, uh, Sarah's in the room, our 20-year-old, but her freshman year of college is not what she thought it was going to be. From COVID to her uh, uh, roommate or sorority, it just wasn't what she was hoping for. She just needed to go through that. She needed to persevere. She needed to walk with the Lord. The Lord just needed to grow and mature her. The Lord could have organized something differently. He didn't. And he, Sarah needs to trust in the Lord's providence and to grow and trust along the way. Parents, we can't fix everything. They're not going to become launched as adults if we do that. Last thing, I think I put this uh, simply as um, a formula for maturity is this. Grace plus truth plus time equals maturity. What we want are mature adults. You give them grace. They're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. You give them truth, the promises of the Lord and his word to them. Give them time. You give them time to grow. And when you do that, you have the freedom to enjoy them. Enjoy your children. They are made in God's image. 
They are unique. They are special. They are crafted in the image of God. Delight in your kids. They are gifts from God to you. Bless them by enjoying them. All right. That's a lot, and that was fast, and I apologize. Again, I'm happy to talk about this more and more and more, but what I hope you will see as a church is that we're all in this together. What we want is for our children to be mature adults. So when you hear them squirming around today in church, celebrate that fact. It's a beautiful thing. They're growing up here, and the Lord is at work. All right, I would ask for questions, but we don't have any time. Did you have a question, Mark? If you do, you can ask. All right, let me pray, and then we'll get out of here and let the second service come in. Oh, Father, I, I do ask you, would you raise up a generation out of this church like Lexington has never seen? And, Father, I pray that that generation would do it again, and then that generation would do it again. Lord, I pray for the children of this church now. I pray for the parents of this church now. Oh, Father, would you give them your spirit? Bless the parents who are in the throes of raising children and they want to train and instruct, but they're nervous about how to provide. Father, the, the anxieties and complexities of this life are difficult, so, so we need you. Uh, would you bless these homes? Would you bless the covenant children? Make this a place where our children will, in fact, be safe, where they will be loved, but where they would delight in following Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.